Welcome to another episode of Memory Jogger on the Rediscover the 80s podcast. Thanks everyone for listening as we jog our memories and run down our childhood dreams from the 80s and early 90s. I'm one of your hosts, Jason, on the VHF dial, and over on the UHF dial is my fellow host, Wyatt. How are you doing? Good, how are you? Man, I remember that movie too, the UHF. It's been a long time. I know it came back out on, on TV. Yep. And I missed it. I didn't realize it was on there until it was gone. You know, yeah. I saw it, and I'm like, I got to mark it, and I got to watch it. And then <laughs> it was on the see you later list. I'm like, oh, crap, I missed it. So. Yeah, I did a, I have done a few watch parties over on Facebook and actually found UHF, and I found the early 90s movie Airheads. You remember oh. Airheads? Yes. I did a back-to-back one Saturday night over there on Facebook and uh, so I've I've watched it within the last I don't know four months or so but uh, UHF is not one that I've watched a lot of over the years and it was fun kind of rediscovering that one and all of the different uh, little situations there that Weird Al is in and uh, characters that he came up with almost like a a take on Ernest like we just <laughs> got done watching Ernest but you know he's a uh, Rambo in that one and. He's uh, Conan the Librarian and, you know, all this other stuff in UHF. And uh, an early Kramer, uh, Michael Richards' role there, too, which was fun as the uh, janitor. can't remember yeah. his name off the top of my head now. But that's a fun movie. And I've, I've, I love Airheads just because of the radio background that we have and being in a radio station setting for most of the movie there held hostage <laughs> by right. those three guys. I, it was fun. I remember that movie very vaguely, and it, it was way, way back when before we even thought we were in radio. So yeah. I don't make the connection. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Another one I want to watch, I realize it's dated, is uh, WKRP. Oh, yeah. As yeah, well that's... as, uh, what's the more, more recent one that, um, what's his name was on? Um, based out of Seattle, I think. Um, oh, uh, Frazier? Yeah, Frazier. Yeah, I want to watch Frazier. that just because of the radio again, the radio background. Yeah. But I've heard it's funny because I get on. Sorry, guys, we're on a tangent. Um, <laughs> I get on this AM radio and broadcasting groups. One of them, one of the two, was really commenting on WKRP, saying, "Oh, hey, you see this? I can't remember the, what the the console was. The broadcast console was. Uh-huh. They're like, it's so funny to see it, and it's not even hooked up." You know, it's people, you know, we broadcasters would pick that up, especially the engineering, like my, me, I would pick it up probably more often. Yeah. So now I'm intrigued. I want to go watch it just to see what's not really legit hooked up <laughs> to right, see if the yeah. cart machines are even wired up, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, there's a couple of shows like that. WKRP is one I'd love to go back and watch just for the aesthetics of radio. There's another show called News Radio. I think it was in the early 90s, and Phil Hartman. Oh, yeah. Um, trying to think who else was in that uh, show. I think that was more uh, more or less based around a radio station and everything that goes on there. Phil did an excellent job, but I think it was why he did the overacting on most of his voice, except for uh, the, the captain, whatever he played on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um, <laughs> captain Carl. Yeah. yeah, Captain Carl. But, you know, <laughs> when, when I did it on... 
the Simpsons, whatever, you know, was always, yeah. hey, how you doing there, yeah. listeners? Kind of larger than life, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. We'll have to go back and find some of those shows and and check them out. But uh, we'll still go ahead and move on with the yes. Memory Jogger. Just a quick reminder, you can interact with us in three different ways. Just, you know, comment on our show notes over there at rediscoverthe80s.com. You can tweet us at RD80s and at InfamousWB, and you can also comment on our YouTube recording sessions if you want to leave some feedback about the show and uh, any memories we might have jogged. We did have uh, one piece of feedback to pass along. Our friend uh, Jerospace over there on YouTube is always uh, faithful to leave us a comment after each episode. He said uh, on our uh, episode 20 on retro gaming, I'm a huge fan of retro games and systems. I still have my original NES, SNES, and Atari 2600. Did you guys hear about the relaunch of the Commodore 64 computer coming up in December? That was, of course, last year. Yeah. (laughs) Been a while. Uh, Full-size remake of the original. I never had a computer as a kid, so I can't wait for this. Great episode, guys. Unquote. Jero Space. I have seen it, and I was thinking that it was more of a... Uh, shell of a <laughs> Commodore 64, not necessarily a real working one, like the keyboard didn't work or anything, but like it was almost like a plug and play setup where you could uh, play the old uh, Commodore 64 games. But uh, you'll have to get back to us, Jero Space, if you ended up picking that up and let us know what you think about it because I did see it, but it just wasn't one that I had had any really uh, experience with over the years. Well, there was. It's been a few years. There was like a website, Commodore something or C64 dot uh-huh. com, something like that. They had, they were selling, and you could buy it. It was still pricey. You could buy the Commodore 64, but it was in a new box. Maybe it was that retro games thing that was that okay. did it. But but nonetheless, it's it it's been a little bit. It's not this December. Maybe they rebirthed it again to try to get some. You know, some more people to buy it. But you could buy three different versions. One was like the legit, everything was original. It was just the keyboard. You hooked it up to a monitor and a power supply, and boom, it, it did its thing. But everything was internal, like the modern Atari or NES, whatever. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, but if you went more deluxe, you could get the Wi-Fi adapter or something, stuff inside it. But it still ran the Commodore 64 OS from way back in the day. So oh, wow. you Commodore lovers, you know, <laughs> you could go to town on this thing. I had one or two interactions with it and perhaps it was because of the different machine language than what I was used to with the Texas Instruments. It was so cumbersome to try to understand. I'm like, yeah, yeah screw it. <laughs> I just never could grasp it. But some guys, you know, they love it over the Apple, you know, or some, some other system. Yeah. Yeah, we had That's the cool. we had the Macintoshes at our school. The Apple II E's, yes. Uh, where the where the keyboard was mounted right to the box. That's right. Uh, yep. And then you had the TV that kind of, or the I'm sorry, the monitor that monitor. sat kind of in a divot. I call it a little dent indentation on top. Yep. And then your five and a quarter disc drive on the side. And... <laughs> The big old floppies back in the day, yeah. Yeah, you had to uh, flip it on. You remember, there's some games that we had to use. It was, you have to start it and load it into RAM on one side, and it would tell you flip disk over to side two. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh my gosh! I remember, was that the uh, spelling game that did that? 
the Snoopy one that, that dropped the letters? Maybe that, uh, I didn't remember that was typing. Snoopy. I just remember them dropping. You had to type. It was always funky, like it AJS or something like that. Yeah, it was a Snoopy one. And he would, like, drop letters and uh, Mr. States would be on us like a bat to uh, not look down at the keyboard and oh, just stare yes. at the screen and make sure we're, you know, doing the game properly, which except I never during, did. Except but, during our study hall, because he'd be teaching while we could do that. <laughs> yeah, that and uh, Agent USA. Oh, and my paper gosh. paper footballs. Paper, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, oh, the memory. Yeah. Lots of lots we did of that episode today. already, didn't we? <laughs> we did. did yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, move along. Uh, icebreaker here. We always do. Uh, you added this. I did see this. Uh, was this yesterday? I think it was. Yeah. Yesterday we lost Brian Benahy. I, I, I think I pronounced it. Benahy. Yep. He was best remembered. Most of us remember him more from Tommy Boy as the father. And, and then. Tom he, Callahan. Yep. Yep. And then he played Rambo, First Blood. Jason, you would probably better know him from there than I would. Yeah, Will um, Teasel. He was the sheriff that uh, it was basically chased down uh, Rambo in that movie, him and his deputies. I think that was probably his best role. If I had to rank them, uh, it would be the one in First Blood. Uh, he just played it so well. He's kind of the small-town sheriff and doesn't want any trouble, and here comes Rambo. And uh, doesn't really make trouble, but then he kind of assumes he's up to no good and starts this whole thing between them. And it's a it's a great movie. I prefer actually Rambo 2 over the first one, but it's still very, very good. And he was great in that. I love him as Big Tom Callahan and Tommy Boy. Uh, just watched that uh, mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. This is the 25th anniversary this year of that movie, <laughs> yeah, right? Wow. Um, it's it's hard. I mean, we're old. I get that. We're getting up there, but it's yeah. still hard to believe. 25 years since Tommy Boy, man. Yeah. I don't think I saw it in the theaters. I'm. I know I didn't see it in the theaters, but I saw. You know, probably at least as a rental. Yeah, that's um, what I was thinking. I, I had saw it as well. Um, it's such a great movie, and he played that part. If you're going to be Chris Farley's dad, you got to kind of be that rotund person. He was like the perfect build and yep, yep. Uh, just his sense of humor was great. Uh, wasn't in the movie actually terribly long, oh. but made a huge impression for the parts that he did have. So, uh, yeah, that was a fun movie. One of the other movies I enjoy him in is Cocoon. You, have you ever seen that? I, in, I, I was reading, I was trying to read up, but I did, forgot to add that into our little notes but he played in cocoon he's played one of the one of the characters yes yeah he was one of the main like alien characters uh want to say that came out around 86 i think it was was in the mid mid to shady's 1985 Uh, steve gutenberg was in that he plays kind of the main character in that but uh him and all of the uh old timers that find that pool that the like alien eggs are in and they almost yeah. almost like a uh, fountain of youth Wilford Brimley and Don Amici those guys in there and they it's it's just a fun movie uh and his role isn't too huge in that but he does have this one little scene where he kind of reveals that he's more than just human and those aliens are kind of like glowing beings and he pulls his eyelid 
the, his bottom eyelid down a little bit and the light kind of shines through. <laughs> it's almost like they're in a human skin. Uh, it left a lasting impression on me uh, watching that movie as a, you know, probably teenager for the first time. But uh, yeah, uh, very. And he was more recently on the show Blacklist. I did not watch that. I've only actually seen one episode. It was over Christmas. We were down visiting my in-laws, and they were huge fans of the show. I was like, oh, Brian Dennehy's in this. Uh, didn't realize he was still acting. And Apparently, they're still part of whatever season they're in now that he's still got another scene or scenes coming right. up. So uh, they were – a lot of people, uh, actors and celebrities, were tweeting about him when they got the news. There's also one other uh, – uh, passing, I think it was the same day, earlier that day, was the old WWF announcer, Howard Finkel. Did you see that? I saw him, but I couldn't place him as... He was the ring announcer for the longest time, so oh, all the okay. introductions coming to the ring, uh, he was kind of uh, balding on top, had the yeah. big mustache, and had just that booming voice. I think he was from Jersey. And I think that uh, kind of accent or inflection kind of came through when he would, you know, announce. And then, you know, when a, a, a belt would change hands, he would be, and the new champion, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just an iconic voice for those of us growing up and watching wrestling. Uh, was at pretty much every show doing the announcing, so... He, uh, well, I'm looking at it now. He was a ring announcer since 1977. Wow. So that yeah. was, uh, I don't know when he, he, they did put him in the Hall of Fame, the WWE Hall of Fame okay. at some point. Um, I'm not sure when he, uh, finally uh, retired, but, um, yeah, iconic voice and just tied to that WWF era for a long time. So that's uh, that's our little icebreaker. Now, again, we kind of planned this to do the, the famous lines, but uh, we'll uh, keep moving forward. We're going to give you kind of our TV memories, our early TV memories, what it was like to, uh, before cable almost even existed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, man, we're old as dirt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, only had a handful of channels. And then cable came along and almost more than doubled the channels we could get. <laughs> exactly. So just as a kind of a start in the podcast, uh, what was your TV experience like before cable? Well, we we I think the TV set had one of the the, the one of the little just I call them the the telescoping uh-huh. single aerial where it kind of went back and forth. Uh, more like a look more like a teacher's pointer than it did anything else not the rabbit right. ears that you see two of it was just a single one and you had to you know move it just right to to get the right yeah. signal uh for whatever i remember getting only three channels while we were there in dory street and, and downtown clearfield so we only got pbs nbc and cbs that's all we could pick up and like you know, like uh, Jeff Foxworthy would say, if the president was on, your night was shot because <laughs> there was right, nothing yeah. else on. <laughs> How about you? What was your pre-cable yeah. TV experience? 
Well, that was it. We had one TV in the living room, and it was... I think the first one was actually just a 13-inch. And that was a uh, color, and we had... It was the dial, so you got whatever the the VHF was. 13 channels, I think. Two, well, 2 through 13, I think, maybe, was v- the top VHF dial. was your lower, so 2 to 13, and then everything else was UHF. You, right. So I remember that, and then I remember getting a... Uh, I think it was a 19-inch color TV. It had a push-button channel selector, and I got the 13-inch in my room. This was, gosh, this was later in the 80s when that happened. So, yeah, we would have that out there hooked up, and some of my earlier memories was when I got my uh, Atari 2600, which I think was probably around 83 83 or 84 when I got my 2600 and that was a big deal because you had those two prongs in the back that the antenna was hooked to and then when you got the 2600 I think you hooked those into the cable ready box yeah yeah and then uh, you know put that into the TV with the the Atari and then you had a I think you had a switch in the back that went from one to the other so you had to uh, move this black switch down or up to TV or to your Atari. I think I think that's how it went. Yep. Or maybe maybe that was the channel selector for channel. No, three no, channel. that was that was how you did it because my my Texas Instruments was the same way. Okay. And then on the very bottom of that modulator, that was where your channel three or four switch was on. Okay. So yeah. So yeah, we it was just that, and we we were pretty early adapters. So. You know, I remember through the years when I didn't have like cable in my room when, you know, for different moves and stuff, I would try to pick up uh, local channels through the TV. But for the most part, there was very few years that I remember that we didn't have cable. We were pretty early adapters. So those early 80s years, I was like four, five, six years old. And then 80, you know, by 82 or 83, when we're you know seven eight years old is uh, remember having cable remember watching staying up late one night and watching like mtv music videos with my neighborhood friend tim so nice yeah it was uh it was fairly early on uh so like um what are some of the early shows i guess do you remember you've got a few written down here uh like uh local television shows well, the thing, earliest things I remember, of course, the, the main ones, um, Dukes, Knight Rider, um, A-Team were all on about that time. Some and Simon was around. I think Silver Spoons was coming on board about that time frame. Of course, everything PBS, so 321 Contact, um, mm-hmm. Sesame Street, Mr. Rogers. But the two local productions, I'll call it, or two things I remember is... Uh, our CBS was channel, we called it channel 10 or TV 10. Mm-hmm. And they would do an action news for kids on Saturdays. So it was, I, I think it was like teenagers, maybe uh-huh. 16, maybe 14 year old. I don't know. But they would be the newscasters and, and so forth. I'm sure there were yeah. adults behind the scenes working the cameras and boards and stuff. But it was, you know, teenage kids running the news and i thought that was kind of 
Yeah. The news are, you know, the, the stories weren't all that great, but it was still fascinating to see that, hey, they like kids run the joint. That's pretty cool. And right. I remember, this is a little bit later in life, but I remember that they are Channel 3, which was PBS. It was WPSX. And then they changed the call letters to WPSU because, well, my, my assertion is the broadcasting was conducted at Penn State University, which was in State College, the next county over. Whereas the TV transmitter, the transmitter tower, actually was on, um, it's actually sitting in Shawville, if you remember, oh, really? Jason. The yeah. tower, I didn't know that for years and years, and someone... My cousin or aunt or someone point out says, "Oh, that's Channel 3's antenna up there." I'm like, really? That's where? That's why they say it's in Clearfield. Yeah, that's why we can. Come, it was like the clearest one that we could pick it, up. Yeah. It was. <laughs> um, but that's. I mean, those are the the closest things that we could pick up. We couldn't pick up ABC, which for us, uh, unless it was the closest ABC at at this era, was KDKA out of Pittsburgh. That's right. So. Unless I went to my grandparents, which I didn't know understand why, but my grandparents had a better antenna, I guess, and we could pick up ABC. So then I'd watch. It wasn't very often, but if I spent the night like on a weekend over at my grandparents, I was begging to watch Bugs Bunny and whatever else on ABC because that's where it was. Right. You know. So, uh, but anyway, what about you? What was your TV uh, shows like? Yeah, I mean. Uh... I'm just trying to think of uh, local ones. Uh, it was more or less like you were saying. I do remember that uh, Action News for Kids. I remember that chef that they had on there. What was his Mr. Food. Remember yes. Mr. Food? I always thought he was like a local to Altoona, but I think he was. He that was, was a like ch- a syndicated show. It was. It was syndicated, but I never knew uh, that for years. until. Ooh, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's what his catchphrase was. Yeah. yeah. At the end of every uh, show, exactly. but I remember catching that. Uh, I think it was at lunchtime, right? Yeah, it was right after the, uh, like at the very end, uh, tail end of the the new news. The newscast, yeah. So, and you know, of course, I wasn't watching the news when I was at school, so it must have been on the weekends or at some other time. Uh, I don't know. I just found that fascinating. That was essentially my first introduction into like cooking shows. Was Mr. Food and Justin Wilson. On, uh, I think he was on PBS, the Cajun cook. You remember him? Onion. Let's put some onion in here. I don't remember uh, him. You don't remember him? No, he was on uh, on PBS. So, yeah, the local stuff I don't re- remember. Some of my earliest television watching memories was watching the A Team, and I can remember. I think A Team came out in '83, probably '83 or '84, when they started showing Riptide right after the A-Team. And I remember my bedtime. I could stay up and watch the A-Team. I want to say it was like Tuesday night. It was. It was was on at uh, 8 o'clock. A-Team was 8. I have the the TV guide picked up. (laughs) Nice. Uh, It was on at 8, and Riptide was at 9. Yeah, so I remember I was able to stay up and watch the A-Team. It was my favorite show. And then at the end of the A-Team, it was a Stephen J. Cannell production and he had this little logo or a sequence at the end where he flipped that page up from his typewriter for that and it would would come down yes once i saw that and then every once in a while i would uh 
get to the point where I could watch the intro to Riptide, which was that huge pink helicopter. and that They always had to slap the dashboard to make it Right, go. yeah. I, I'd watch that, and then it was my bedtime, man. That was... Uh, I got to watch earlier. a few episodes of that growing up. Not very often, because that was, you know, wasn't supposed to stay up late either. But uh-huh. Every now and then, my dad would let me have a... I'll call it a wild night, which was just a late night. Yeah. And I'd watch the Riptide for a while i don't remember much except for that helicopter being you know you had to smack it to start it and that's the only thing i remember <laughs> really about that whole thing and, and, that, and uh, the style of that helicopter yeah it was just uh well we were in that era of vehicles were part of the shows yeah. anyway so that was definitely what we gravitated to as kids and that they had like that weird looking orange robot that almost looked like an alien on that show i, I remember forgot that about too. that guy yeah yeah but anyway, yeah, that was, I think, one of my later nights because I had a specific show I wanted to watch. Otherwise, I was in bed probably by 8 or 8.30. So that was, uh, that was a huge deal back then. And then PBS, yeah, I mean, uh, in the mornings I would watch, well, probably not so much in the mornings when I lived in Curransville and then commuted on the high school bus to Clearfield to, to go to school. Because I didn't have much time in the morning, I had to get to the bus stop and and do that. But when in the afternoons, I remember like running home up the street after the bus dropped me off to get home to watch those uh, cartoons in the afternoons, like GI Joe and Transformers and He Man, Thundercats. I think those were all kind of those time periods after school. And then there were several PBS shows too that I liked to watch. Square One TV. They would show uh, in the afternoons and eventually uh, Carmen San Diego. I remember watching that a lot. I think that was in the later 80s uh, when that came on. But yeah, so that was kind of more my time that I could watch shows like right when I got home from school. And uh, later on in the mornings, I'd watch some stuff too uh, as uh, I think we moved to Clearfield. But those were some early memories. So uh do you remember the specific time when you got cable? It was, I'll call it the early 80s. I want to say it was around the 82, maybe 83 era. It might have been just a year before, but it was, wasn't was too long. I was, I want to say it was a couple years before the divorce. The divorce happened when I was 10, so uh-huh. that was in 86. So ballpark 83, 84, somewhere around there is when I remember getting it. How about you? Yeah, like I said, we were pretty early adapters, so it must have been in that time frame as well when it came to us. And we, uh, and back we then, you have... could hook the cable right straight to your stinking, you know, TV, not have a cable box. That's right. Yeah, and that's that's exactly where I was going. I was like, I don't remember having a cable box uh, until it got to the point where they had more channels than what you could turn to on your TV. You know, it wasn't an issue when we got that push button because you could go up to whatever, 99 channels if you wanted to. But it was hooked right into the TV and we just pressed the buttons to get where we wanted to go. If like on my uh, the 13-inch that I had in my room that I did get cable for, I was limited. I just remember getting the cable channels 2 through 13, which uh, was still, you know, pretty cool for in your room you could get all the you know the saturday morning cartoon channels and and everything right there but i didn't go up too far beyond that if i went up 
too far, and then I had to go out to the living room to watch my MTV and all that stuff. <laughs> so uh, let's go through now and then and talk about our experience with cable and I guess some of the channels and shows that we gravitated towards. I was all over the place. And it was kind of like a just a circus delay of everything you wanted. You know, you had Nickelodeon when that came on. Like we've indicated many times, and I think just a little bit ago, we had the, a New York TV station called WPIX, which most people, if you've heard of it, is, is more like a WGN or the TBS of the time, where it just broadcast whatever, yeah. whatever TV show. Some of them only a few years old. It was kind of like Nick at Night before Nick at Night was. Um, yeah, it just, was like there was like a handful of stations that what I would call super stations, and they even yeah. call themselves super stations. Because they were picked up by different cable networks and were broadcast outside of what they could even broadcast to with their antennas. WPIX out of New York was one. WWOR in New Jersey was another one that we got. WGN, like you indicated, and TBS. I think TBS was known as the superstation for a while. Uh, And I won't even say that, that WPIX maybe would call themselves the superstation for a while, too. But uh, I don't yeah, think they those... were. I never remember them being a superstation. I, I don't remember WGN ever being in our lineup. It might have been, but I don't remember it being there. I do remember yeah. TBS. That was later on, uh, I think, towards the time when we were getting ready to move out. I mean, to our adult. Yeah, I do remember yeah. TBS because they always had to start it at 05. And the TV Guide. So every time you look in the TV Guide, it was 805 or 705 or whatever. And then uh, if you're waiting for, uh, I remember like watching uh, wrestling and there was, they did movies and stuff. So if the Braves game, because they always broadcast the Braves and the Hawks. So if those games went long, then it kind of fed into the other things that you were wanting to watch on the, on the channel. And it was the same for uh, WPX too. They, they broadcasted the Yankees games yep. and WWOR did the Mets games. So I remember watching those too growing up. Um, and I, you know, we got the, the more regional teams as well. The Pirates were on KDKA and uh, Steelers were just wherever they were, you know, on the, right. the national schedule. But yeah, those stations were just interesting because they, you know, they kind of did their own thing. There wasn't a true primetime lineup like network. channels and just you know particularly speaking on wpix they had news broadcasts like their the the new york news that you could watch if you wanted to i think in the i I think they did three a day but uh in the meantime it was just wide open and they would do movie marathons uh they're the station that i watched batman 66 in the afternoons they did even old read runs late at night, like the Honeymooners. That was a staple on that station for, years. for the longest time. Um, the Honeymooners that would come on right after their local news uh, at nighttime. I remember watching that. So they just did a, a lot of fun stuff on WPIX and a, and a lot had, of shows that connected. They had Crazy Eddie, the electronics guy. Oh, yes, the Crazy Eddie commercial. Prices are insane. Insane. Yeah. They uh, also had, what I remember is they had the DJ Cat Show, which was just a puppet. 
the girl that played on it, I recognized her and I can still never place her. I've, I've seen uh-huh. her elsewhere acting, but you know, it was just a puppet kind of like a, a, a take on Alf, I guess in their own way, but they would th- throw mostly uh, Woody Woodpecker cartoons in uh-huh. the mix, but he'd come back and do something. And uh, his whole, whole line was, uh, he, he couldn't use the C word, which is cute. So you can never call him cute. So who you call him cute? Hmm? You know, that was his thing. But I remember that. And like you said, the WPIX was just a, a, a mecca of everything. Like you said, Batman 66. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realize how old that was until we started really digging. You know, we're yeah. watching it 20 years after the fact. We're like, what? That's right. Yeah. I thought this that was new. That was, uh, that was primarily my first introduction to superheroes. Yeah. Uh, that between that and the Superman movies with Christopher Reeve, yep. uh, those were I never got into comic books as a kid, so that was how I was introduced to the that idea of superhero. And of well, Saturday mornings too with Super Friends and uh, the Hulk and some of those shows that they would do as cartoons. But live action, yeah, that was it, man. That was some some good stuff there. Uh, one other, was the other thing I was going to say about PIX. Now it just escaped me. Well, that's where you saw your uh, whatever, Mr. Chicken, right? Your movie for Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Yeah. Yes, yes. That uh, that was through one of the. They did a what was it called? Um, they did the Yule Log in the winter in the Christmas time frame. Well, that was another thing I was going to talk about too. But uh, the uh, WPIX used to do these horror movie marathons. Yes. Uh, it and Halloween time. What was it called? I can't remember off the top of my head. But yeah, it was definitely that was where I saw that movie. They would show classic movies, but they'd also show, uh, you know, kind of a few what were modern at the time movies. It, it yeah, it was known as like the movie station for a while too, if I do remember right, because it was. They would get their local news done, and in the afternoons and stuff, they start showing movies. And on the weekends, yep. they'd always have movies going. And yeah, that's where the uh, my love for the Yule Log at Christmas started. Um, that's a, a pretty interesting story that goes back into I think the '60s when they first started broadcasting, and they wanted their essentially wanted their employees to be able to go home at night and spend Christmas Eve with their families. So they're like, well, let's just throw on this tape. And it was uh, a three-hour tape of, they just filmed a fireplace. I think it was at the governor's mansion in New York. It started out that way. And then they added that Christmas soundtrack to it uh, to, to do the Christmas carols. So their, their people could be home at Christmas Eve. And then they, I think... St- started replaying it or doing it on Christmas morning as well, because I remember opening presents and wanting it to be on. So like <laughs> in the background, we didn't have a fireplace uh, in our house. So I don't know that, uh, as I, as I like to say that warm cathode ray tube, uh, <laughs> yeah. heating up our living room <laughs> to the tune of, uh, Christmas carols in the WPIX Yule log. It was a very fond memory. Um, so that station, yeah, that holds a special place. Oh, oh and also the uh, 
Thanksgiving, they would show March of the Wooden Soldiers with Laurel and Hardy. That was a tradition, too, on Thanksgiving Day. So that kind of kicked off the holiday season for me as well, watching that on WPIX. And I, I have to watch that once a year now, too, just in that tradition. So what are some other ones that you gravitated towards? Well, aside from WPIX, I mean, I you know Nickelodeon came online, so we had Pinwheel and Mr. Wizard. Oh, yeah. And, and those he, guys. Uh, Mr. The, Wizard is on. Oh, shoot. I just saw it. I think it's, I think it might be Tubi. Six seasons of Mr. Wizard just, just came up online. Uh, I just saw, I have to find it. Go ahead and keep going though. Well, I mean, you had them, uh, you had your favorite. You can't do that on television. Uh, that was some of them in the game shows that they came with, with, uh, Nickelodeon, uh, like double dare and, and, Mm-hmm. I can't remember the house that you liked that you know wrecked the house. Finders keepers. Finders keepers. <laughs> but then you had, and this is where I don't know which channel uh, hosted them, but you had Transformers and GI Joe and Mobile Armor Strike Command, Thundercats. I think Smurfs. I put it on our notes, but I think Smurfs was actually a Saturday morning thing. Saturday but, morning was Smurfs. Yep. So, but you got all those channels. You're like, holy cow! There's so much more. Holy cow, what can we do? And then music videos for me were pretty much a no-no prior to the divorce. My dad was very strict about that. But post-divorce, my mom was a little bit more more lenient. So we started to watch the MTV, and I got to see Martha Quinn and had a little crush on her, you know, um, <laughs> you know that kind I of thing. Yeah. And we also could pick up ABC which was right. unheard of in town, at least where I was. So I could watch the, the awesomeness of ABC, uh-huh. the, the Bugs Bunny, and, and whatever else was on Saturday morning cartoons. I got to see My Two Dads, wherever. I think that was an NBC thing, but that you know came out. Got to watch Benson. That was ABC. I could watch Airwolf. That was actually clear, you know, clearer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The same with Knight Rider and, and Dukes. They were clearer in... Uh, and obviously Fox later when it started to become a, something they could throw on the right. cables. But um, that was my big, big, huge, uh, I guess, menu of shows. What about you? Yeah, well, that, that was a big part of it that you could get all of the major networks as clear as day, you know, where you'd have to adjust, get up, move your rabbit ears and, and whatever back in the day when you got cable then you got all the major networks that came in nice and clear. And like you said, Fox came in uh, 88, maybe? 87, somewhere in that. I think 87, that's when um, American Children came Children out. Debuted. Yeah. But yeah, Nickelodeon was a big one. You, you actually uh, did a memory jogger early on on Nickelodeon. You can hear all of our favorites from, from that. And yeah, the game shows and all the fun little sketch shows that they had back then. And Mr. Wizard. Mr. Wizard is on... Voodoo and Pluto TV right now on nice. five seasons for free just to follow up on that. But yeah, I mean, uh, I remember watching a lot of USA Network too. USA ran the Cartoon Express back in the, I don't know, late, I guess well, it might have been kind of mid late 80s. And uh, I think through the early 90s, I think that was uh, maybe a morning thing and an afternoon thing. That's where we got our mask, I think. That's where uh, that showed on USA Network. And then 
in the afternoons, uh, going back to our game shows episode, yeah, USA ran all those game show marathons in the afternoons. I was glued to USA Network. And they had a, a, a shown a bunch of movies as well on the weekends and even throughout the week. Didn't really have too much original programming. It was mainly all syndicated stuff. So that was a big network. And MTV, yeah, like I said, that was huge. That was one of the earlier uh, memories I have of staying up late and watching music videos late. They were kind of taboo at the time, but they were also fresh and new to, to kids and that culture mainly i think is what that was more geared towards because you know the kids listened to the loud music and (laughs) the parents didn't want to hear it so that was even uh more of a uh, an enticement to watch mtv and to get to actually see your favorite artists uh, not necessarily live or in concert but in a different setting and a lot of those music videos were almost like short films yeah (laughs) We could probably do a whole episode of Memory Jogger on our favorite uh, MTV videos. Uh, Just so many of them out there that were uh, made a lasting impression. And the VJs. And yeah, I mean, that was interesting to watch some of those old broadcasts. If you've ever done that on YouTube to see how they programmed MTV back in the day. Because it was essentially a radio station with visuals, you know. Uh, Which is now radio stations are doing so they can keep keep some attention to, to the to, or listeners to the station. Right. But yeah, that was, that was my world too. Uh, MTV, MTV, uh, TBS and eventually TNT when that came around, which I think that started in the eighties. That was a big one for me. I remember watching uh, pink Panther. They had like a uh, 30 minutes or an hour of pink Panther in the morning. And I recorded a whole like six hour tape of, I love the pink Panther. <laughs> that was a huge deal and then you know usa network nickelodeon i think those were the major cable channels i watched back in the day nickelodeon and nick at night i'll, I'll throw in there too we yeah, didn't really talk too much on. about nick at night uh i think we did some maybe in our nickelodeon episode but that's where we got all these old reruns too uh, get smart i, I remember watching uh, a lot of that green acres and mr ed and my three sons. I remember watching that. I don't know why, but I remember watching it, the Patty Duke show. I remember uh, being uh, monsters. very monsters. The, was oh yes, there. yeah, the monsters too. I remember watching that. There was a show called Lancelot Link's Secret Chimp. Do you remember that one? It was all <laughs> these monkeys. <laughs> it was a, a, a very short-lived show. I think in the maybe later '60s or early '70s that they would show late at night on Nick at Night. I'm like, what in the world is this? It's monkeys talking. So it was just all chimps that they had <laughs> trained to do a television show. And then they added in a, uh, a talk track <laughs> to the show and got the monkeys to move their mouths. It was the most hilarious thing I had ever seen as a kid. Um, well, they, had, um, they also being, had I Dream of Late Genie. at night, too. They had I Dream yeah. of Genie and all the classics and- <laughs> I didn't even know existed back in the day, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, that was retro TV. And they didn't even call it retro TV back then. It was just now, like, more shows to watch to me. You know, just Right, yeah. Oh, it was new to us. It was something to discover. And we're like, oh, it's still black and white, too. It wasn't color. And then they <laughs> added 
they added AMC, and that's where we just kind of indulge ourselves when in the Stooges. They'd have those six hour or whatever. Oh yeah. And yeah, be the early marathons, and then it would be the shimp marathons, or they'd be whatever. They just go, and we're like, "This is just <laughs> awesome." Yeah, I was trying to think where we did watch our Stooges. If it was uh, one of those cable channels or WPIX or something, they probably had it too. But I think AMC was like the the cornucopia. They just, oh, oh you know what, Stooges are cheap. Oh, let's just play, play them for six hours and everybody take a lunch break. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> but yeah that awesome. uh, yeah that was that was good and then uh i guess finally you know we were talking about um kind of where we at now with cable and you still subscribe to cable right i actually just uh about three months ago we were finally i uh, long story short we got tired of paying we were on the month-to-month plan and every time I called to make a better deal, it was always more than what I was paying on the month-to-month plan. <laughs> so I'm like, but you give new subscribers the better deal that's like half the price. So after lots of arguing with people on the little virtual chat windows, <laughs> I finally like, you know what? Just cut my cable. I just want yeah. the actual internet. That's it. That's all they want. And they're like, but, but, but I'm like, Oh, I get, I get irate when I get the sales. <laughs> but when I, the first time I hear, "Isn't that a great deal?" Do you want me to just shoot you right now? Because <laughs> right there, I don't want to. It, no, it's not a great deal because you just added that little line right there. Yeah, somebody um, told me if you want to get your cable lowered, just call into the cancellation line, and like those people have more of an authority to work with your you know, whatever your cost is, then just calling in the salesman or Joe Schmo or well, whatever. I, I used to play, <laughs> well, I used to play a game with them. I would find the CEO email and I would send them and saying, look, this is what's happening. I can't get through to your regular sales department. Do you have better deals for, for existing customers? So you don't lose me as a customer. And I get shoved to like the top person, whatever of, Mm-hmm. sales or whatever and for like five years comcast was very accommodating they gave me the best deal and finally i guess after five years they're like this guy gets us every year like, <laughs> screw him <laughs> well okay screw you too you just got <laughs> dropped i'm going to verizon so then i had like i said i had files for a couple years three years yeah three years mm-hmm. a lot better service than xfinity xfinity was always dropping on us anyway all that to say, we finally, about three months ago, dropped them. Got a little bit better, faster speed. But now, you know, we have no cable. But we th- th- we have Hulu and Netflix. Right, and yeah. It's it's just a totally Tubi, different. which is awesome. All that. But my question was, during our time in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. do you remember having to go back to Antenna for any reason? We just no, it was it was much later when we got to the the digital era and we had you know they made that switch in what was that like 2006 or seven maybe so about the time that they switched from the analog to digital we actually dropped cable when we moved here 
which was around that time. I think we moved here in 2006, and we have not been back to cable since. But I still have that kind of longing <laughs> to have cable. It's it's weird. Like, so we got here, and you know, we had to. They made the switch to digital. I remember having to get the digital antenna, and it was we were essentially back to where we were before we had cable in the early 80s and here we had uh we got more channels though obviously and when they went to the digital setup then you had like the uh, sub channels yeah our local nbc channel was channel 12 so channel 12.1 was the regular channel 12.2 was the retro tv network and this was when uh, Jackson, my oldest, was uh, four-ish, four or five-ish. At uh, seven o'clock, they'd show Knight Rider. At eight o'clock, they showed the A-Team. Oh, so geez, we nice. was eating. We would eat dinner, and then we would go back in to watch the Black Car Show, is what he called it. Yep, I remember that. And then the Soldiers. <laughs> and so I was like right back into... All of those retro shows, thanks to that channel, which I, I think it's since changed names and it's still around, but they don't show uh, quite the lineup they used to. It's me TV is more of like a retro TV network now, but uh, yeah, so we were back to our basic network channels, but they had at least two other channels that were associated with that station so you you know we instead of getting three or four channels back in the day we got like i don't know counting the religious channels like 20 (laughs) (laughs) because there's always like four or five of those two that you can pick up but it's funny like so we've been streaming a good part of that time we got netflix like just the discs through the mail that was part of our supplemental TV watching when we first dropped cable, we'd get the local channels over the air and then do the the discs through the mail. And then in the last couple of years, I've really grown to love Pluto TV. And I think one of the reasons was they, well, they don't anymore, but they had a more traditional cable style guide uh, system, uh, platform, whatever interface, whatever you want to call it. And it looked like an old cable Yep. You're scrolling through your cable channels. So, I I don't know. I just latched onto that. I was like, oh, this is cool. And then they, uh, they just changed it uh, a couple weeks ago, mainly. Or maybe a month ago. And I was so mad. But uh, that, that was just kind of, oh, I've got cable, but I don't. You know? <laughs> That's it. Since we're streaming. But, yeah, it's there's just still something about, even in this era, I've still managed to... Like I said, go back to that early 80s time with the Switch when we dropped cable. And then just with these new streaming platforms and the way they're set up, and some of them are really close to what it was when we you know, initially got cable and you went to like channel 2 or whatever it was to right. watch your channels go by. And, okay, I want to watch the Golden Girls. That looks good. And then you <laughs> punch in your channel. But, yeah, it's it's come full circle in many ways. Well, for me... After moving out into the boonies, uh, when my mom remarried and then my dad, my dad carried cable for several years. And it was a different cable, was slightly different. They were the one that had USA Network, but Clearfield didn't. And they had a couple other different 
channels. But when I went to the live out in the boonies with my stepdad in his house, he had aerial TV. So we we're back on the antenna watching, yeah, three, six, and 10, <laughs> which was PBS, NBC, and CBS, respectively. And then we had a satellite TV. You had the, you know, the, the 12 foot satellite dish out in the backyard. So we still had a pseudo cable in that. I don't think we picked up Nickelodeon, but we would pick up like MTV and CMT back in, well, TNN back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Um, TNN showed uh, monster trucks too. I remember watching that. And all types of stuff like that. We had the, the Showtime, I think, package. So we had Showtime and some other movie channel with it. So we got to see some of that. So then I had to, well, Fox came online because that's how I was watching Married with Children. That's when I got my 13 inch in the room, in my bedroom, was that way. And I'd have to, I had at, on his, the 13 inch that, that I was given had the circle loop for your UHF. I was mm-hmm. twisting and adding aluminum foil out, to, out the window trying to pick up <laughs> Fox. Just almost like the, the episode that they do. Assume Fox watching up. Um, Positions, that's what he Positions, calls it. Positions, yeah, yeah. So that's how I watched it. It was, you know, terribly snowy and whatever else. But I got it. The same way with uh, The Viper when it came back out, when it came out in 92. It was terrible. I recorded it, but it was still terrible. Um, <laughs> that was I, a cool thing, too, back in the day. Like, so when we got into the digital era, it just irked me to death. When a station would not come in in the digital era, it's just pixels and it's frozen pixels you can't see crap back in the day when you had the antenna yes got snow or yes it was a little bit snowy but you could still make out more of what's going on with a weaker signal yeah so that was a that's a huge thing that just irked me when we got into the digital era I was like, give me my uh, rabbit ears back, man. I'm going back to analog just so I can see yep. what I'm seeing with a little bit of snow and not just these pixel boxes every five seconds. That's and it. you can't see a, a thing. <laughs> this was also the time when I was 16. I bought that, um, maybe 17 is when it happened, but I bought that little five-inch uh-huh, black handheld. and white AM uh-huh. FM TV. And, of course, now we have computer screens in our cars all day long, right? It's not illegal. But I thought TV screens were illegal back then. And this is, again, 92, 93, I don't know, that era. And so I don't get pulled over or similarly get pulled over for watching my TV. I point the TV towards the dashboard, but I have the antenna up and I'm listening to Married with Children as I'm going to the radio station for work. (laughs) So I'm wanting to listen to my, you know, whatever. But fast yeah. forward, you're talking about the digital switch. We had cable for the longest time. I did have digital TV, antenna TV on base when we moved here in 2011. And it was because the cable was too ridiculously high at the mm-hmm. time. Uh, we lived on base. So I had Dish Network for our TV, regular, or, you know, I guess cable TV. Mm-hmm. And then I had the antenna TV. And like you said, you had all these channels. Well, I'm in two mass markets where I'm at. I'm literally in between Baltimore and D.C. So I had 40 plus oh, channels. Wow. I had two ABCs. I had 
two NBCs. I had two CBSs, two Foxes, and <laughs> wow. just keep on going. I had a music channel, which I didn't know existed other side, uh, outside of VH1 and MTV. There was a dedicated weather channel, but no one was on it. It was just a weather map. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's cool. I like that. There was all types of stuff. You, like you said, there was the, a few religious channels. There were Spanish channels. There was this and that. There was the Me TV. There was uh, probably with retro TV then, but all this other stuff. I had, you know, two PBSs, and then the PBSs had sub channels. They had the kids PBS or PBS Kids. So right. you just stick it on there for the, when I was on base. It was just Adam, so I just stick it on there and let him watch World World or whatever was on, and just let it go. And you didn't have to worry about, ah, oh, crap, now it's the, the uh, HGTV yeah. time, you know? <laughs> nope, now it's right. the whatever, PBS News. It's like so, getting uh, Nickelodeon over the air, essentially. That's it. And it was great. And then yeah. I had it, when we moved to this house a year after, I ditched the Dish Network. I had the TV or the antenna up, but we were we're just down enough that we can't pick up all of the DC channels. We can mm-hmm. still pick up a lot of the Baltimore channels, but it depends on how I aim the antenna. I found that out. And this is one of those ones you stick, you know, you actually map outside the window or outside the door rather oh, yeah. of the house. So I can pick up like our ABC, but I can't pick up Fox or vice versa, whatever. I just point it the wrong differently. I'm like, geez, I'm back to freaking rabbit ears. Yeah. So anyway, long story short, we've, like I said, we've now come to the end. I don't have, I disconnected that, that antenna, uh, I was trying to rearrange it and make my life a little easier, and I just got lazy and haven't put it back up. Um, <laughs> we Most of everything is streamed now. If we want to watch even the local news, it's on some way, somehow, on, on TV, on the you know, like YouTube, or just dial it in on our phones. We watch it. We watch the president now. Well, this is really terrible. <laughs> back in the day, you couldn't stand to watch the president. Now all we do, especially with our, this current pandemic we have that's all we do is watch the daily pandemic up- updates yeah. on our phones now you know that we watch it so but uh i mean that's a whole other yeah. chapter in itself the, the the advancements in technology that maybe that's what oh, we yeah. could talk about next time or some well, other yeah time. even even that new quibi service is just supposed to be no more than 10 minute episodes so you can watch on your phone I mean, right. they don't even have it on Roku or I don't think any of those platforms to watch it on a TV. It's all meant for your phone. So that's the era we live in now. It you is. Everything from your phone. <laughs> oh, gosh. Night and day from back in the day. You that's know? exactly what it is. Night and day. <laughs> back when you had to have a TV, you had to have paper maps before GPSs. You had to have right you know, your dot well we, we everything remember. was tangible yes everything was not digital there's no digital copy it was uh on a cassette of you know vhs tape or <laughs> regular cassette or what you know record again yeah. here we are going back to radio station just briefly but you think this is 90 well when i started there it was 93 and in 93 when the when Windows 3.1 was just coming online, and here we are in a radio station still using eight-track-like carts, tapes, to play your commercials. Sometimes, it, well, at our station, we didn't play songs, but we could. 
I did that at another station. You had reel-to-reel machines that played Paul Harvey or or uh, right. what other shows. We had music that was our fake automation. That's what you know Bob said at one point. You still had the 45s there that we could still spin the records, not CDs. We had a CD player. If we took it from the FM studio, we could t- play right. CDs. But we still had all this older equipment that we were running a live. I say live because we were flipping the switches, but we were running this system before the computer that we talked about later on, the Digilink that we came, came to place around 94. Mm-hmm. And everything fit on that box. And we're like, this is like amazing. We don't have to run the records or <laughs> right, 50 yeah. carts during the football game. This, this What is this? Yeah. Um, game changer. It was a big game changer. And here we are. Everything now, is, I mean, we could run our own radio station when we do from our own little phone. Yeah. You know, you, you pick up, I'm not even talking the commercial guys, you know, the, I'm thinking of um, iHeart or Pandora, uh, what is it? Pandora. Pandora. <clears throat> Those guys, I mean, you just put your song list in and go let it be and, you know, it DJs and you you sit back and let the, let the money come in. That's right. Um, so... Yeah, anyway, different time, <laughs> different time, but I'm still trying to put my radio station together and I'm getting closer. I'm now making cables for my little pseudo radio station. Hopefully, God willing, <laughs> I can have something set up this this summer, a mock, uh, even if it's folding tables with yeah. the equipment set up. And I'll do, do a YouTube for you guys to see what kind of we had Great, to deal man. with. <laughs> I don't know how I'll hook it up. I mean, as far as like, I need to make the carts legit. So they're not just blank carts, but I want to make the carts work, you know? Yeah. So you trip them and, and there's a commercial, probably one of the commercials we have from WCPA and whatever. Yeah. All right. We, uh, I think we covered about covered our, uh, early TV memories there and cable channels and everything. Yep. It is officially your turn now for, Okay, um, I had an idea. Since okay. we're talking TV, let's uh, let's talk about some old TV commercials next time. That could be fun. That? I know that's one of our. It was somewhere on our list. I it's think it's on the list. It's on the list. So, yeah, just uh, you know, from the time when we were kids up through high school years. So, you know, you can go back to early '80s up through like '94. Let's just pick out some commercials that we just love to watch for some reason, or some of those ones that we always saw the one nine hundred number commercials yep. at late at night, and you know all the serial commercials we got during Saturday morning cartoons. We can talk about some like that. Some of our favorites during maybe specific times that we were watching TV, and maybe some of the ones that were the most annoying. Crazy Eddie, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of found him entertaining more than I did uh, annoying. But Same here. Yeah, we can just talk about some of those old commercials that uh, we remember in between our favorite shows. And uh, some that made us want to get back to the show quicker. And <laughs> some that we didn't mind so much. Maybe we're animated. Oh, I think right. about like those old 
Remember those old uh, bubblegum commercials? I think maybe it was Bubble Yum or Bubblicious, where the kid, it was like split live action and animation, so the kids would be at school, they'd pop the gum in their mouth, and they'd become animated and start flying in the air. Oh, man, I love those commercials. Stuff I, like that. That's that was vague. I can't really remember that one. Oh, I'm going to have to look some of those up. Yeah. But some of those that mixed like live action, some of the serial commercials I remember mixed live action with the actual like serial mascots so rice krispies i think was one that did that with uh, snap crackle and pop but uh yeah let's go into some of our old commercials next time sounds great all right so don't touch that dial we're in stereo where available although you might need to adjust that dial or possibly the vertical hold you never need to move the rabbit ears as long as you're cabled in while we continue to run down a dream here on Memory Jogger. This has been a production of the Rediscover the 80s podcast. Visit rediscoverthe80s.com to find our show notes for this episode and others. Join us again next time for the Memory Jogger podcast. Hey!